0: This is your life, God's truth, your QFM. It's Phil, and I am so excited to have Jeff Johnston on the phone with me. He's a culture and policy analyst for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen, and he is an expert on educational freedom. We're talking about school choice and in its various forms. Jeff Johnston, welcome to your QFM. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, Phil. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on the broadcast.
0: Well, you uh, are more than welcome. We love Focus on the Family and, you know, obviously all the amazing teaching supporting family and marriage, but also, you know, not afraid to dive into these topics that some would call political, but they're really not political. They're family issues. They're biblical issues as well. And education, obviously, you're talking about uh, raising your children, and I got some really good information from you guys. And when it comes to like school choice and so forth, this is about parents trying to, you know, do the best that they can for their children, getting our kids educated. And Jeff, would you say there is definitely a move toward school choice across the nation? I mean, is it really kind of a a resurging right now?
1: You're absolutely right. Um, I've been watching this for the last three or four years now, um, especially during the COVID lockdowns um, when children were learning from home and schools were closed and they were bringing their textbooks home. Yeah. Parents began to see what was happening in different schools, everything from teaching uh, Children, critical race theory. Um, now they weren't teaching the legal theory, which is taught in you know law schools and places like that. But the principles from critical race theory were filtering down into education, and children were learning about intersectionality and um, that America is a systemically racist country. Uh, I think parents as well began to see a lot of the sexualized material that was available in local schools. Yeah. Some of the books that include um, extreme violence, graphic sexuality, and they were available for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And then in, in many states, uh, like, for example, here in Colorado, our leg- our legislature passed a bill four years ago that said that whenever you teach social studies you have to include the contributions of LGBT identified individuals. Yeah. And so textbooks companies began rolling out materials that included that in their textbooks. And I think parents grew very concerned and began to explore other options and realized that other options were available.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, when we grew up, it was, hey, you raise your kids, you're in a community, you pay property taxes, those taxes go to your local public school, and that's where your kids go to school. But because of the things that you're talking about, Jeff, parents are looking for other options, and there are other options. There's a wide range. There's obviously uh, open enrollment, which is quite common, where you could maybe open enroll your students to an other school nearby for whatever reason. But now we've got things like magnet schools and charter schools. And of course, we've got uh, uh, private schools and home schools. But then you start getting into the finances because you figure, I'm already paying these property taxes, but to go to a private school, it you know, the tuition is so expensive. So what do we do? And You know, you got the idea of competition, that competition is good. We see that in business. It's clearly a good thing uh, for everyone to get better, you know, lift all ships, if you will, with uh, competition. But I'm assuming, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because of the power, especially of the public teachers unions, there has been so much pushback about allowing free competition among k through twelve education, is that kind of one of the bottom lines?
1: Yeah, yeah. You have parents who say we want uh, school choice, which generally entails uh, the different types of schools you mentioned, magnet schools, where um, the school might specialize in teaching uh, STEM courses in science, uh, technology, engineering, and math, or there might be a performing arts school or a vocational training in some schools, um, charter schools, which are, are public schools, but they've got a special charter to run things, and then you have private schools and home schools, and what really um, exploded over the, the, the COVID lockdowns was online learning, yeah. and then sometimes that involves a mixture of both online and then going into school a couple days a week. But educational freedom is actually broader than just school choice. It involves having money not just go straight to public schools and institutions, but it has it following the student wherever they're learning. And so we're seeing a big push in in several states now. Um, Arizona passed a bill last year. Um, Iowa passed one a couple weeks ago. Utah passed one, where the money doesn't just go straight to a public school, but it follows the student. And the parent can use a voucher or an educational savings account or a, a, a tax credit. There's different types of programs out there to help fund their child's education in the way that's best for their children. And as you said, there's been terrific pushback from teachers' unions, which um, have a lot of money, and they donate a lot to leftists causes and they become very radical in the last 10 to 20 years Um, national education association promotes abortion Um, it promotes um, critical race theory and uh, LGBT ideology and it it very much opposes school choice but there there are plenty of studies that show like you mentioned that competition lifts everyone up Um, there are studies that show that school choice actually improves the academic outcome in public schools, Yes, not just for the children in private schools or they're being homeschooled. Um, Everyone does better because they're being forced to compete and do better with the resources they have.
0: And it sounds like in red states, in particular now, we're seeing legislators are finally being convinced of that. And They're starting to get some laws put in place. Like you mentioned, it just happened in Iowa, which is amazing. And, you know, I'm assuming there's teachers unions and public schools in those states who are not happy about it. They're very concerned. You know, some of them, their funding is already way down because a lot of students are either being homeschooled or they have gone to private schools without even getting the, the vouchers yet. And so, you know, these public schools are worried, you know, we're going to have to close the school or we're going to have to lay off a bunch of teachers. And the fact is, Jeff, that might happen, right? I mean, you know, public schools in this world of competition, they are going to have to adjust and make changes if a bunch of students all of a sudden go to other schools like private schools. But that's just kind of the way it is, right? You just have to have to deal with it. How do how do you? you know, calm the fears of those that worry that public schools are, you know, going to have to make too many moves that they just don't think they can handle.
1: Well, I have a couple of thoughts there, but but first, um, you mentioned blue states versus red states, and I wrote an article. Um, last week was National School Choice Week, and even where you are in Minnesota, um, there were more than 400 events scheduled across the state and a lot of them were in schools, in public and magnet and charter schools, where they were educating parents about the different choices that are available. Huh. And then there was a big rally at the Capitol um, last, last week as well for school choice. So even in, even in your state where you know, things might look a little more bleak, um, there were all these events promoting National School Choice Education Week and um in terms of the the fight in uh with with teachers unions and public schools for funding um you know our, our our spending our pure our our um per pupil uh spending rate has escalated tremendously here in the US it's it's increased greatly but it's not necessarily because we're hiring more teachers or doing better teacher training Um, The main growth has been in administration, and I want to be careful here, because I taught high school English many years ago, but I taught for five years, and I know that there are some really, really terrific teachers out there. There's a lot of Christians who go into um, teaching a lot of times because they, they may even have a spiritual gift of teaching. Or they feel a calling to pour into kids' lives and and to make a difference in kids' lives. And so there's a lot of great teachers out there, but um, in general, the teachers' unions are are not in favor of school choice. And so there is a lot of pushback coming. But I I believe I I really believe that we could cut a lot of the administrative costs and do a better job by our children anyway. And so if if cutbacks do have to, have to happen in schools, I think that's where where some of it should come. I mean, I know in a lot of years, schools have, have added whole departments that deal with um, diversity, inclusion, and equity, and they're pushing a radical ideology in those schools. And I think mean, you could cut those whole departments and still do pretty well. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that we're seeing in some states is where they're saying, Let's give parents edu- educational freedom. Let's have these savings um, accounts, educational savings accounts or vouchers, but let's also increase the money that's going to schools. And so a couple of late state legislatures have had bills that have done that. They've done both at the same time, um, given schools more money, increased teacher salaries, and then also given more educational freedom to parents. And so I, I think we can do this in a way where everybody wins out.
0: Okay, without causing, you know, incredible harm, that kind of thing. But like here in Bemidji, where I'm standing, I just uh, interviewed one of the new school board members. You know, we have a school board of six, and because of a lot of turmoil with COVID and et cetera, we have five brand-new school board members Uh, this year and on a normal year let's say 10 15 20 years ago there would have been maybe 50 uh, 50 homeschooled uh, students in the school district now we're close to 400 homeschool students so obviously that is having a major effect on the school and a lot of those students I'm not gonna you know I don't know this as a fact but I would assume that most of them probably don't have any intention of going back to the school unless the school you know makes some pretty major changes on some of the things that that they're doing that they're teaching etc so you know we have a lot of schools having some financial trouble anyway and uh, you know let's talk about these teachers unions for a second you know they do not have student interests at heart is that a safe statement i've seen that where They're not representing students. They're representing, frankly, themselves, and they say they're representing teachers. But what what is your thoughts on the teachers' unions right now?
1: I I think the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers. Those are the two big national ones. Now, there's also state groups as well. Um, But they have definitely been co-opted by radical ideologues and they're pushing radical ideology, and it's less about um, we want the children to learn and more about we want to inculcate them into this ideology. And teachers' unions, I mean, there was a tweet from one of the national groups um, several months ago where they said teachers have the best interest of children at heart it's like, wait a minute, no, their parents do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the parents' job to raise their children. We know that from the Bible. We're, we're told that. We're, we're given a command that we're supposed to raise our children um, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and it's not just in the Bible. Um, our government has recognized for years that it's the parents who have the responsibility and right to direct the education of their children. Supreme court has recognized that over and over that it's the parents right and responsibility and it's great that schools are out there to help people who can not educate their children through homeschooling or private schools but the schools need to be responsive to this the students and more importantly they need to be responsive to their the parents and and teachers unions aren't in that role they're fighting for teacher salaries and benefits not necessarily for what parents
0: want. School choice definitely helps parents, uh, you know, hold schools accountable. I mean, that's really the thing. It's for their policies, for what they're teaching, for their budgets and so forth. I mean, it's all about that uh, competition. I, I was reading in one of the things that you guys sent that, you know, we can work on it statewide, you know, the state legislatures. That's mainly what we're seeing you know, where state by state, they're finally saying, you know what, it's time, it's time to do this. And whether it's vouchers or the educational savings accounts, it's coming. And I'm assuming mostly in red states for now, but like you said, it's not necessarily a partisan issue. But there was a really interesting section in here about, uh, talk to your federal legislators, because there are these federal programs. I didn't realize that, for example, Washington, D.C. has vouchers, uh, which, you know, I never would have thought about that. Uh, You know what I'm talking about, this to talk to your federal legislators about school choice?
1: Um, Yeah. Well, the Department of Education, uh, which was formed in the 70s, they typically fund programs and they have a lot of power. So um, most recently, the Department of Education has been pushing through Title IX, which was supposed to uh, give girls equal opportunity, they've been pushing um, transgender ideology and saying your school should have transgender policies in place in order to receive federal funds. And And it's not just the Department of Education. Uh, the Department of Agriculture, which funds uh, school breakfasts and lunches, hmm. um, they were saying if if you're, you're a school that doesn't have these transgender policies in place, uh, you might be ineligible for federal funding. And so the federal government funds these specific programs like like. And they, you know, they they monitor Title IX and they do the school lunches and different things like that. And they they give money to states and to local school districts for specific programs. And so our legislators um, at in DC they have oversight over those things, and they should be um, making them accountable for what they're doing and pushing yeah. them in the right direction. Now, Washington D.C. the city. Um, they're funded directly by the federal government as well. Um, I'm sure they get some local property tax money and things like that as well. But they're overseen by the federal government too, and they have really been co-opted um, by radical ideologues. I wrote an article about this a couple weeks ago about what they were promoting hmm. in DC schools, and it was all it was all about. Um, transgenderism, sexual orientation, gender identity, and it was all about radical leftist ideology. And so much of the focus, I was watching this video from the, uh, the the Washington, D.C. Chancellor of Schools, and it was all about creating this environment of belonging. And I didn't see anything in the video about learning yeah. wow. or about achievement or about accomplishments. And D.C. schools spend uh, next to New York, they're the most. They spend the most on public education, and they have some of the lowest outcomes. And so, yes, our federal legislators, the Senate and the House, should be holding them accountable because they're funding this. Yeah. and they should also be holding these departments accountable because of the things they're trying to push on local schools as well.
0: Yeah, I see this part about the federal government being involved. D.C., like you say, it makes sense because it's uh, the federal government basically funds D.C. and you've got uh, children of all these government workers and they they get school choice uh, because of the federal government, just like children on uh, tribal lands. And we're surrounded by three uh, Native American reservations here in Bemidji. And so their school choice funded through the federal government, apparently, there and then, children of military families, I guess that makes sense too. Uh, they get school choice funded by the federal government. But it, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have our legislators because our Congress uh, people in the QFM area, they're all conservatives. And uh, right now, we do have control of at least the U.S. House. So maybe they would also be helpful in, you know, moving along school choice across the country. But I'm assuming state by state is a better way uh, to accomplish these goals. And right now, you know, Minnesota being as blue as it is, Jeff, you and I talked about it uh, before we started to record. Uh, It's tough, isn't it, when your state, like California, I I can't imagine there's a whole lot of school choice in California right now. No, no, there isn't.
1: And and that is difficult for, for the blue states, um I think one of the things that gives me hope is uh what you talked about earlier that your local school board has seen this real turnover and I've seen the same thing happen here in Colorado Springs where during COVID when some of these things came out about the the library books and the and the textbooks and what um children were being indoctrinated into there was a real interest in local school board races and Here in El Paso County, where Colorado Springs is, um, they were able to flip um, several different school boards to becoming more conservative. And by conservative, I mean they're more responsive to the parents, and they're more concerned about um, keeping out radical ideology. And so we've seen that happen all across the country. I know you've probably watched some of those raucous Uh, School board meetings in Northern Virginia and in Texas and a couple other places, but it really created awareness. And there were um, more recalls of school board members in the last couple years than ever before, and then more challenges with new blood coming in. And if you bring that in first and you begin to clean up at the local level, some of those people are going to move on to their state legislators and maybe even to the federal government. And start making an influence there. Some of these yeah. people who were never involved in politics before, and and that gives me a lot of hope for what we can see in the future. Yeah. And and a local school district can really do a lot um, within you know the, the area that they're. Overseeing to make a difference locally. And I think that's pretty important.
0: Yeah, well, you have a section that says ways that you can advocate for school choice. Well, uh, go to school board meetings, be vocal, write letters to the editor about school choice, you know, get educated on the issue. Uh, call your state legislators, talk to them about expanding public school choice options. Do you guys have an educational piece that moms and dads could get? Jeff, uh, through Focus on the Family, I mean, I've got my hands on this. You know, is that something that anyone could get their hands on to learn more about school choice options?
1: Oh, absolutely, Phil. What you're talking about is a book that we wrote a couple years ago, um, and it's called Back to School for Parents, A Busy Parent's Guide to What's Happening in Your Children's Classrooms and Practical Steps You Can Take to Protect Them. And it covers about eight or nine different areas of deep concern to people. Um, what's going on in health clinics, in in, in local schools, and mm. in the counseling offices? Uh, what's in the curriculum? What's in the school library? Um, some schools have computers that are available to students. What's happening on those? And it uh, gives a lot of areas of concern, and then it also gives people things they can do. Yeah. You know, if they find a problem or where they can take 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 action, and um, that uh, book is available at um, the Daily Citizen, which is where I write uh, dailycitizen dot org, or Focus on the Family Daily Citizen, and then over at our Focus on the Family website. We also have educational resources as well. And so if people just do a, a search for homeschooling or school choice or educational resources, they, they can find lots of articles and helpful resources available. But, again, this Back to School for Parents, it's a, it's a free download. Uh, it's 120-some pages and and that's available to anyone who wants to find out more about what they can do to influence local education and education at the state and federal levels as well.
0: Awesome. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, and you are just learning about it now, too, that North Dakota, you know, obviously North Dakota is one of the states that QFM is in as far as our listening area, and they are getting close to having school choice in North Dakota, too, and in some form you were Saying it might be uh, some dollars that would travel with the student, and uh, that really is the best way, isn't it, to have money going directly to parents so they have the financial freedom? Is that you know eventually that would be the best option, no doubt about it.
1: Oh yeah, that that it really is the best option is where the money doesn't just fund an institution that has um, its own interests at heart, um, but it follows the student and And then they have more competition and more freedom to choose, and then you know kids are different; they learn differently, they have different yeah. interests, and parents know what's best for their child it when I was teaching i would I would have a hundred students, and I would you know do my darndest to get to know those students and what was going on with them and their lives and to to teach each of them well. But it's really their parents who know them way better than I ever did. And 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 they know what's best for their students. So to have the money follow the student, whether it's to a private school, um, a home school, a magnet school, charter school, or even some sort of hybrid with online and in-person learning, um, that's really the best option, and that's what we want to be moving toward. And it looks like, as you said, like North Dakota is taking a small step in that direction with having some funds follow the student um, if they decide to leave a public school. Yeah.
0: You know, before I let you go, and again, Jeff Johnston joining us from Focus on the Family, an expert on the issue of school choice, let's talk about our awesome Christian schools. Man, they're just doing well. They're growing. There's new ones. We've had several new uh, schools pop up in our listening area in just the last couple of years. COVID was a part of that, but what an awesome option that is parents, and I'm assuming that's happening all across the country. Are you seeing that, Jeff?
1: Yes, I I was just reading an article a couple weeks ago about how um, since the COVID lockdowns, 1.4 million students left public education. And, you know, sadly, some of those students probably uh, fell through the cracks or may have dropped out. But a big chunk of that 1.4 million is either being homeschooled Or they're involved in a private school. They may be involved in some sort of online or or hybrid learning. But there's been a real growth in, in homeschooling, in private schools, in charter schools, in all these different options for parents. And a lot of it has just been, in the last three or four years, a huge bump in that. And the thing about homeschooling, a lot of parents I know are reluctant and they wonder if they can do this. But the the truth is this has grown so much that there are so many resources out there that you don't have to do this alone. And a lot of parents uh, who homeschool, they form homeschool co-ops or homeschool pods or there's even local schools here where you you go to school a couple days a week and then you're homeschooled the rest of the week. Of these sort of cottage school programs. So there's all kinds of opportunities available and there's all kinds of resources out there for for parents who aren't satisfied with what's happening in their public school.
0: Hmm. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Lots of excellent uh, information and again you can find out more dailycitizen.org. You can download that book, Back to School for Parents, and, of course, a lot of resources at FocusOnTheFamily.com as well. So, Jeff, thank you again. God bless you for taking the time to join us.
1: Thanks, Phil. I appreciate what you're doing there, educating parents and equipping churches to know about what's what's happening and what options are available. So Mm -hmm. thanks for having me on the broadcast.
0: Amen. God is on the move, no doubt about it. And this is your life, God's truth, your QFM.